Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning, church. Welcome to South Valley. How are you guys doing today? All right. I like that. I love to see that. My name is Ricky Hemi. It's so great to be with you this morning. We are in the middle of a sermon series titled I Am, where we're exploring the seven I Am statements from the book of John. And if you were with us in previous weeks, you'll recall the fact that these statements form the backbone of John's gospel. And they are all statements of deity. Each time Jesus is saying, I'm not just Messiah. I am, in fact, God. And in each of these sayings, Jesus takes a motif from Judaism, often in the context of a miracle or a meal or some kind of major festival, and then he reinterprets it for himself. Well, today we find ourselves smack dab in the middle of this series, in the middle of these I am statements. I'm going to bring them on the screen so you can recall them all. Number one was, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Number two, I am the door, which was last week. Today is, I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. And what we're seeing through this series is that Jesus Christ is a master teacher. He has this amazing ability of taking taking things that are tangible, like bread or light or a grapevine, and squeezing out of it every spiritual truth. If you remember from week one, it kind of made me think of uh, Mr. Miyagi and Karate Kid. Any Karate Kid fans in here? I know we got some in here. Uh, I even mentioned Kung Fu Panda, okay? And I, I thought of that because my kids were watching it as I was writing the first sermon. But in martial arts, they have this, you know, often martial arts instructors have this way of, of making everything a life lesson. And that's what Jesus is doing. He sees tangible things and he turns them into life lessons. We, this is a great lesson for us as parents, right? So oftentimes there are, there are all kinds of life lessons right in front of us that we could teach our kids if we just would just pay attention to them. And that's what Jesus is doing throughout this series. Today, he's going to take a common vocation in Israel, the job of shepherd. And he's going to pull out of that some incredible uh, purpose to what his ministry was in this world. He's going to use this job of shepherd to illustrate his purpose as the protector and the savior of God's sheepfold. And so if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and turn now to John chapter 10, starting in verse 11. I'm going to pray for us and we'll jump into that passage. Will you pray with me? Father God, I just want to Thank you so much for every person in the room this morning. I thank you for an amazing morning of worship so far. I thank you for our incredible worship team and, and the fact that they come ready each week to, to lead us into your presence to, so that we can lift up our praises to your throne. Today is a special Sunday because it's the Lord's Day. We're always just grateful to be able to worship in your house. But it's also a special Sunday because today across America is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. It's a day where we remember those children who are still in the womb, the value of life. We pray over those children in the womb, God. We pray for protection. We pray that we would be a people who cherishes life. 
I also want to pray right now for, for expectant mothers. I know there might be some expectant mothers here in the room and, 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 and some people are expecting a child and it was something they planned and others, they, they have a child, they're having a child and it was something they, they didn't plan. Wherever they're at, I pray that they would know that they, they've been given a gift. And for those who uh, feel like they need help or resources or, or somebody to come alongside them, I, I wanna say thank you, Lord, for ministries in town like Crossroads Pregnancy Center that come alongside expectant mothers to give them what they need to, to help them and, and just to, to celebrate this season of life with them. And so we just lift up all the moms, we lift up all the expectant moms, and we thank you for this Sunday. And be with us now as we recall the fact that you, Jesus, laid down your life so that we might have an abundant life. Bless our time together. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. John 10, starting in verse 11, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Let me give you some context to this passage. In first century Israel, there were two kinds of sheep pen. There was a country pen and there was a city pen. And if you were with us last week, we talked about the country pen. This was a, a, a pen where, where shepherds would bring their flocks during good weather. It's like, it's likely what the shepherds in the field during the birth narrative, when Jesus's birth was announced to the angels, they were likely out in these country pens. And these country pens, they were nothing more than a rough circle of rocks with a small opening through which the shepherd would drive the sheep at nightfall. The country pen had no formal door. And so the shepherd would lie across the opening and become the door himself. And so this is the pen that Jesus had in mind last week when we said that Jesus said, I am the door. This means that Jesus is the only entrance into the sheepfold of God. There is one door, there is one way into salvation and the abundant life, and it is through Jesus Christ alone. Jesus is the entrance into the kingdom and into the protection of God the Father. Can I get an amen? There is only one door, his name is Jesus Christ. The second kind of sheep pen is the city pen. The city pen was a community pen where shepherds from all over brought their sheep for the night. And this pen was guarded by a hired hand who kept watch and allowed the shepherds in and out. And so when a shepherd was ready to leave, he would simply call his sheep by name. His sheep would hear his voice and they would come to him one by one. They'd step out and they would follow him. This is the kind of pen that Jesus has in mind today. I wanna to share with you Three characteristics this morning of the good shepherd. The first is this, the good shepherd, he cares for the sheep. Listen again to Jesus's words. I am the good shepherd. 
He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I mentioned to you the story of the first time I jumped on a sheep's back. You guys remember that? I jumped on this sheep's back and it took off running straight out of barn, slammed into the barn and I got pinned between the haystack and the barn and, and people had to come and pry me off. And that was my first experience with sheep, first experience riding a sheep. Well, uh, and it was also my first experience with the IQ of sheep. Sheep are not very smart. It was also a, a, an example of my IQ in the moment. I was not very smart. And to make matters worse, that is not my only sheep story. Nor is it my only sheep riding story. You see, growing up, I lived on two and a half acres of land. And uh, if, you've, if you have land, you know it's, it's fun to have land because there's a lot you can do with it. And, you know, it's just, it's cool. You could, we turned it in, part of it into a motorcycle track, which was awesome. Uh, but but the, the, the spring rain would come and then, you know, the weeds would start to grow around. And, and by summer, if you didn't do something with the weeds on your land, it became a, a huge mess. It became a huge issue. And so my job and my siblings' jobs, we, we, were, we were told we got, had to go pull weeds. And so that's, that's what we did. But then we got smart or my dad got smart because eventually instead of sending the kids out every you know, summer to pull all the weeds, we ended up in the springtime uh, borrowing sheep onto our property. Because if you know anything about sheep, they'll, they'll eat anything, all right? They'll eat anything that grows out of the ground, which was awesome for us as kids. Like sheep are so awesome. They're, they're gonna eat the weeds instead of us having to pull them. And so the sheep would come, they'd eat all the weeds before summer. And what would happen? We'd let them out to graze during the day and then we'd round them up at night into this little pin at nighttime. And it was, a, it was a great partnership. They ate the weeds. I didn't have to pull the weeds. I was a very happy kid. Then one morning we walked out to a mess because the coyotes had discovered the sheep. And we didn't know, we were inexperienced shepherds. We didn't know how to fend off coyotes. And so we did what we thought was best. We actually decided to set traps around the property to catch these coyotes. The problem is coyotes are actually pretty smart. If you know anything about coyotes. Okay, sheep, very dumb. Coyotes, very smart. Me, I was somewhere in the middle. I don't know. Because I set these traps out and I could not get these coyotes. They would literally tiptoe around the traps. And so on occasion, they would come and they would leave and they wouldn't attack. But then over time, like they realized they could just get right around our traps. And so they started attacking the sheep once again. And so the only thing you could do to, to fend off these coyotes is you had to sit out all night with a gun in hand to, and be prepared to fight off the coyotes. Now, I wish I could tell you in this story that I was the hero sitting out with a gun, but I was no hero in this story. Once I realized that my traps weren't working, I gave up on the sheep. I would go in at night and just, you know, good night, little sheep. <laughs> I hope you're here in the morning because I don't want to pick up those weeds. I hope you make it. And, uh, you know, a lot, some of them didn't make it. I hate to admit it. Some of them didn't make it. But by the grace of God, uh, a neighbor close by, he was also done with the coyotes. And so he stayed up late one night to, to fight off the coyotes. And, and here's, the, here's the thing. I didn't stay up late for the coyotes to fight them off because here's the, here's the thing. I, the sheep weren't even mine. 
I didn't know their names. I didn't, I'm like, like they were glorified lawnmowers in my mind. And so I, why was I going to stay up all night and fight? These weren't my sheep. Okay, I, I was just, I was just, borrowing the sheep so that they could do a job for me. And here's the big idea of this story and a big idea that we see in this passage. No one loves the sheep like the good shepherd. The hired hand doesn't love the sheep like the good shepherd. In our passage, Jesus compares himself to hirelings who don't actually own the sheep. A hired hand is just a glorified sheep babysitter. Okay, he's not in it for the sheep. He's in it for what he could get out of the sheep. In this case, he's in it for the money. He's in it for the paycheck. And so when the wolf comes, Jesus says, he flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. This I am statement is a scathing indictment against the false shepherds of Israel. You see, when Jesus came on the scene in the first century, Israel was overrun by mutton eaters, overrun by false shepherds, overrun by people who were supposed to protect the sheep and own the sheep and love the sheep and even lay their life down for the sheep and stay up late with the sheep with gun in hand to fight off the wolves and robbers and thieves. But instead, they were just taking advantage of the sheep. They were in it, not for what they could do for the sheep, but for what they could get out of the sheep. In fact, if you were to read the context of this passage, you go back to John chapter nine, you'll learn that in John chapter nine, Jesus actually begins a battle with the Pharisees. The Pharisees are mad at Jesus because Jesus healed a man born blind on the Sabbath. He spit on the ground, made mud, put it on this guy's eyes and restored this man's vision. Now, this guy was excited and you would think that the Pharisees and, and all his countrymen and, and the, the guys who were supposed to love him would be celebrating. But in fact, they were mad at Jesus because he healed somebody on a day that's supposed to be a day of rest. And, and in their mind, the, day, the Sabbath, they added rules to the Sabbath. One of the rules they added to the Sabbath, this is not in the Bible, this is a rule they added to the Sabbath was that you are not allowed to make mud on the Sabbath because that qualifies as work. So instead of being excited that their countryman was, was now healed, he'd been blind his whole life and now he can see. Instead of them being excited like, oh my gosh, maybe Messiah is among us. Look at maybe God is really with us. Well, look how awesome this is. Instead of being excited, they were mad. They were angry. They called Jesus a demon and sought to kill him. And then they told the man who was blind and now could see, they said, hey, you better, you better denounce this Jesus. And if you don't, we're gonna expel you from the synagogue. And that's what they did. They expelled him from the synagogue and barred him from worshiping with them. This is not a shepherd. This is a false shepherd. How cold-hearted, how wicked, how, how messed up, cold-blooded could you possibly be that you cannot rejoice in the healing of a man born blind and instead you decide to bar him from the place of worship? That is what Jesus was stepping into. And that scene started a battle between him and the Pharisees. And so he gives this teaching to point out that there's a difference between good shepherds and bad shepherds. And what he points out is that the leaders of his time, they weren't shepherds at all. They were just hired hands. They were in it 
for the money. They were in it for the prestige. They were in it for the applause. They were in it for the power. They were in it for the position. They were not in it for the sheep. They were in it just for them. They weren't faithful, sacrificial, loving servants of God's people. They were mutton eaters. Never in a million years would they risk their lives for dirty, lost, helpless sheep because they were in it for themselves. They were false shepherds. Now, I want you to see when I, when I preach, I like to start with the context. What is happening right then and there? What is, what is the, the cultural, uh, historical context of our passage? And I start there before I bring it to us. What does that mean for us today? So, so sometimes you might hear that and be like, oh, that's cool about them then, but what about us now today? What is that? Does that have anything to do with us now today? Well, yeah, it does. And here's what I want you to see today. If Israel can be overrun with false shepherds, so can the church. You see, this is not just a back then issue. This is actually a today issue. I don't want to scare you guys, but I want to put this on your radar. The fact that there are today false shepherds that prey on sheep. There are today in the American church, false shepherds that preach a false gospel of health and wealth and prosperity. There are now today shepherds in the church in parts of America that will tell you that if you are not healed of your infirmities and your diseases, then it's because you don't have faith. There are shepherds today who reject God's word in favor of culture. There are shepherds today that would rather be popular than biblical. There are shepherds today that make it their entire aim to dismantle Orthodox Christianity and to sow seeds of doubt and to deconstruct faith in the minds of young people across the world. There are shepherds who would rather exalt themselves than exalt the name of Jesus Christ. This is not just a back then issue. This is actually still a today issue. Jesus, though, is not like these shepherds. Jesus is a good shepherd. You and I at South Valley, we all come under one shepherd. His name is Jesus Christ. We follow one shepherd. His name is Jesus Christ. And we trust him even when it's hard. We trust him even when it's not popular. We don't change his message to fit whatever agendas we have. We don't skew his words in order to make money or to build a profit. We follow Jesus and trust Jesus and step in whatever Jesus has for us. And we are unashamed of the gospel, the one true gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the kind of church you belong to if you belong to, to us here at South Valley. We belong to the one true shepherd. Well, Jesus, the construction of this I am statement is a little different and it's kind of wonky in the Greek because it actually reads this way in Greek. Jesus says, I am the shepherd, the shepherd, not a shepherd, the shepherd, the good one. And so the reason we believe it's constructed like this in Greek is because clearly Jesus is comparing himself to the bad ones. The Greek word 
Kalos, good, emphasizes genuineness, value, and truth. It's a reference to the noble character of Jesus. He is the perfect, authentic shepherd in a class by himself, preeminent above all others. The good shepherd stands in contrast with other shepherds who are unwilling to risk their lives for the sheep. The good shepherd cares for the sheep. Number two, though, the good shepherd calls the sheep by name. He says, I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. This verse makes me think back to my time, my visit at the dairy farm. At the dairy farm, I learned that every cow is a bit different. Okay, I don't know if you know this, but there are nice cows and there are ornery cows. That was new to me. Now, this shouldn't surprise me, but it totally did. Cows actually have unique personalities. Some of the cows could be pet by the kids. Some could not. Some came up to us. Some ran away. Some were playful. There are playful cows. I didn't know that. Some were spooked. Some were young. Some were old. Some were pregnant and kept in a special area. We even, one gave birth the day we were there. Some were sick and watched over and cared for carefully. Also, every cow had its own set of needs. They, and these were spoiled cows. Okay. These cows had their own nutritionist. I'm like, what? I want a nutritionist. Like, I want somebody to look at me and tell me what I should put in my body and how I should eat and how I should exercise. Like, I want that in my life. These cows were spoiled. They all looked exactly the same, but no two cows were alike. I'm pointing this out because Christianity is not an assembly line. It is a sheepfold. Jesus is not making clones. Jesus is not making widgets. Jesus is not making cars. Jesus is tending to sheep and each sheep in this room is very unique. And Jesus calls each sheep in this room by name and knows exactly what they need, exactly when they need it. Listen, there are gonna be times where you feel like no one gets me. No one understands me. No one sees me. No one's been through what I'm going through now. No one can help me, but that is a lie from Satan because Jesus is a good shepherd who sees you, knows you, knows the amount of hairs on your head, and he will meet every need in your life if you just trust and follow him. He is a good shepherd. He knows his sheep by name. Here's what this means for you. There's not a need in your life the good shepherd can't meet. There is not a single need right now today in your life that the good shepherd cannot meet. And if the good shepherd doesn't have it, then you don't need it. He is prepared to meet every need in your life. Our lives are so well taken care of by Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? We are so well taken care of by him. You don't have a need, no matter how big or how small, at whatever level, you do not have a need that he cannot meet. Jesus goes before you to guide you. Jesus comes behind you to protect you. Jesus comes alongside you to encourage you and to comfort you. When you stray, Jesus brings you back. 
When you stumble, Jesus picks you up. When you struggle, Jesus carries you forward. When you slow down, when you get lazy, when you get off track, Jesus will prod and push you to get you to exactly where you need to go because Jesus Christ is a good shepherd. And there are many in this church today who have needs. There are many anxieties in this room right here, right now, today. There are many fears in this room right here, right now, today. And what I need you to know today is that you don't need to look in other places to have those needs met. You do not need to enter through other doors to experience the abundant life. There is one door, there is one good shepherd. All you need to do is look to him and he will supply you with everything that you need to thrive in this life. Look to your good shepherd. That's why King David says in Psalm 23, one of the most famous passages of all time. The Lord is my what? It's my shepherd. I shall not want. I have no wants in my life. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Some of you are sheep in this room today. And just so you know, all those sheep are, you know, um, not very smart. And all those sheep are kind of weak and really weak, actually. All those sheep need a protector, Jesus is glad to step up as your shepherd and give you everything you need. And here's the thing, he leads you beside still water. Some of you are looking for a break, for a little bit of grace, a little bit of mercy, just a, just a few wins in your life. Look to your shepherd. He will lead you beside still waters. He'll, he'll, guide you. He'll restore your soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And for some of you, that is you today. You are in the middle of something hard. You've seen something hard. Maybe you're experiencing loss. You are going through that valley. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Jesus cares for his sheep. Jesus calls his sheep by name. He meets their individual needs. Look today to your shepherd. And finally, number three, the good shepherd commits his life to the sheep. He doesn't just call them. He doesn't just care for them. He also commits to them. Two times in this passage, Jesus says, I lay my life down for the sheep. What I want you to see is that Jesus' dying for the sheep was no accident. It's not like one day he was trying to protect the sheep and he got overrun by coyotes or wolves and he got in over his head and some big tragedy, some big accident happened, okay? Uh, I told you I struggled with, you know, staying up late because I didn't care about the sheep. If I'm being honest, I didn't care about them enough to sit out there with a gun and watch them. They weren't my sheep. And, and here's the thing. If, if a, a, a hundred coyotes came to attack me, I guarantee you, I, I, I wouldn't have had a, a hundred bullets to, to shoot at them. I would have taken off running. I'm just telling you right now. I would have not laid down my life for those sheep. I didn't know their names. I didn't care about them that much. I loved that they were mowing my lawn and that's about it. I know that sounds kind of mean, but that, I'm just being real. And I was a teenager at the time. Hopefully I'm, I'd be nicer to sheep now today, but let's be real for a second. Human life, sheep life. 
Okay, if you don't think you're superior to sheep, you are, okay? Just know that today. Your life is infinitely more valuable than a sheep's life. You're infinitely more valuable. So why in the world would a person die for a sheep that's this, you know, just this animal that somehow has survived all these years. Uh, dinosaurs aren't here, but sheep somehow are. <laughs> Let me point this out to you too. Jesus's life, superior in every way. He is God. The, 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 these, this series is called I Am. That when Jesus says, I am, he's saying, I am the self-sufficient one. I am the eternal one. I don't need anyone. I was, I am, I will always be. I am creator. You are the creature. I am infinite. You are finite. I am. Jesus's life, our life, animal life. You know what's crazy? Jesus loved us so much. Jesus loves Dirty sheep, straying sheep, not so smart sheep, weak sheep so much that he volunteered to lay his life down for them. And this isn't because he was ambushed. This isn't because he was in over his head. This isn't because he didn't know what he was doing. Jesus's life was not taken from him. Jesus's life was given for you. Jesus's blood was not taken from him, Jesus's blood was poured out. It wasn't spilt. It was voluntarily poured out in our place. Jesus's dying was no accident. The cross is not a human accident. It was a divine appointment and it happened for the sheep. I lay my life down for the sheep. That little tiny word for, the Greek word is huper. It's a four-letter four letter word in Greek. I, I heard somebody say one time that a, that a large door swing on small hinges. Sometimes it's the smallest words in the Bible that pack the most meaning. This is one of those words, okay? This same pastor also said, uh, praise God for the buts in the Bible, okay? Because usually when you see but God in the Bible, it is an amazing statement coming next. For, this tiny little word, this tiny little word for is frequently used in the New Testament to refer to Christ's substitutionary atonement. That means when Jesus died for us, he died in the place of us. He died for the sheep, in the place of the sheep, for the benefit of the sheep, for the sake of the sheep. His life wasn't taken, it was given. His blood wasn't spilt, it was poured out. That's why I think that this I am is in the middle of the seven I am's. If you look here, there are three before and three after because it's a, it's a reminder of the cross and the grace of Jesus Christ and what Jesus did in order to welcome us into the sheepfold of God. This I am stands in the middle because the cross stands in the middle of all of Christianity. The cross is the central message of our faith. And here is the message of our faith. Jesus died so we could live. All of our shame, all of our guilt, all of what is worst in us placed on him, all of what is best in him placed on us. We call it the great exchange. 
Jesus didn't go to the cross because he was surprised. Jesus was born into this world to go to the cross and to die for the sheep. Well, why do you have to die for the sheep? Isaiah 53, six. All we like what? Sheep have gone astray. We've all gone astray. You see, you weren't born into the sheepfold of God. It doesn't matter how amazing your parents are. It doesn't matter how godly your parents are. It doesn't matter if you grew up, you know, you were raised by a pastor or a missionary or whatever. You were not born into the sheepfold of God. You were born outside of the pen. You were born wandering and straying from God. You are a sinner by nature and choice. We are all, and, and some of you in this room, you are straying right now today. Maybe you've been straying your whole life or maybe you, you've, been, you've been straying for the last few years or maybe you've just been straying just recently, but we were all far from God. We have all been led astray like sheep. We have wandered, we have turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus is the good shepherd who sees wandering sheep, lost sheep, straying sheep. And instead of saying, good night, good luck out there. Hope it works out for you. He goes and he grabs them and he loves them and he cleans them up and he mends their wounds and he wraps his arms around them and he welcomes them into his very fold and he lays across the door so that no wolf or no animal or no enemy could come in and attack them and devour them because they'd have to get through him first because he is the good shepherd. Jesus died for you. Some of you haven't embraced it yet. Some of you haven't actually accepted him into your life yet. Some of you have been stiff arming the shepherd forever. And you've been wondering like, man, why is life so tough? Because you're out there in the wilderness as a sheep. And I'm just going to tell you, sheep are weak, okay? At nighttime, when I, if, my kids are, if my kids are scared, I'm not going to tell them to close their eyes and count wolves uh, in their head, okay? Because that would be scary. What do we tell them to do? Count sheep. Sheep are the most, you know, most vulnerable creatures on the planet. Jesus knows it and Jesus loves you so much. He is ready to fight for you and he has made a way. You just have to say, yes, Jesus, I believe. Yes, Jesus, I will follow. It may be hard. It may be long. It may have challenges. Yeah, I might not be popular at times. Yeah, I might say some things or believe some things or proclaim some things that are not popular opinion now today in this culture. And yeah, I might be tempted at times to follow these false shepherds because they say things that tickle people's ears. And that, you know, that sounds a lot easier. But Jesus says, just trust me, just follow me. I will never lead you astray. Follow after your shepherd this morning. Morning. And so here's three conclusions today. Number one is this, stop looking to the false shepherds. Stop following them on Instagram. Stop reading their books. Don't subscribe to their YouTube channels. I'm not gonna go through and name false shepherds right now, but odds are you know who many of those guys are. There are false shepherds out there that are not in it for the sheep. They are not in it for the church. They are not in it for Jesus. They are just in it for themselves. They are in it for all the wrong reasons. And because of that, they will say whatever they need to build a following and to gather attention and to accumulate a paycheck. They are false 
shepherds. Do not go after them. Do not follow them. Some people will follow false shepherds because they're like, well, two thirds of what they say is really good. Yeah, that's because they're false shepherds. They, they appear to be shepherds on the outside, but at their core, that one third is going to lead you astray and is going to wreak havoc in churches across America. We need to follow the good shepherd. Number two, come back to the fold of God. Today's the day. I'm talking to you. you you've wandered. You've strayed. You've embraced something you know you shouldn't. You've allowed sin to creep into your life and now you've accepted it. You've been far for a long time, if you're being honest with yourself. It's a miracle you actually showed up to church today. Something drew you here this morning. Well, this is it. <laughs> Jesus is saying, come back to the fold of God. Be all in once again as my sheep. Come back, receive. Jesus is ready to clean you up and welcome you in. It's time to come back. And finally, number three, trust where your shepherd leads you. You're gonna be tempted as a Christian to doubt your shepherd at times. That is normal. That is normal. But when you doubt, remember you are a sheep. He is a shepherd. And so it might not make sense at times in your little sheep brain, but it always makes sense in the mind of the shepherd. Trust him, trust him, trust him. Sometimes he'll lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't mean that he's done with you. It doesn't mean that he's abandoned you. It doesn't mean that he's forgotten you. He still sees you. He still needs you. He still knows you. He'll still take care of you. And sometimes he leads you through that because there are pastures and still waters on the other side of that that you would have never, ever, ever seen. You know, sheep, they will stay in one place until their shepherd takes them to somewhere new. Sheep will stay in one place for so long that they'll start eating their own droppings and poison themselves. Sheep will not leave. Sheep are so, they will fall over on their back and, and they'll turtle at times. And, and if you don't go and flip them over, they will stay there until they die. Okay, that's us. Trust your shepherd. Trust wherever he leads you. We're gonna partake of communion right now. If you need the emblems, go ahead and lift your hand up high and one of the ushers will bring you the emblems. Yep, keep it up nice and high. Thank you guys, keep it up. Communion is a time where we remember what our good shepherd did for us, that he laid down his life for us to bring us into the sheepfold of God. It's also a time where we remember that we stray as sheep. Communion is for believers. It's not for people who are outside the fold, it's for those who are inside the fold. And so maybe today you're gonna to be like, you know what, I'm gonna to choose today to join the fold of God and then I'm gonna take of these emblems for the first time. Or maybe today you're like, you know what, I've been straying and I need to repent of sin and I need to reflect on what my savior has done, what my shepherd has done, and then I'll take of these emblems. And so if you wanna receive Jesus for the first time, I wanna lead you through this prayer right now. And then I'm gonna give you all a moment of silence to reflect on your good shepherd and to, uh, to come back into his fold. So if, this, if you wanna receive Jesus right now, close your eyes and pray something like this. Father God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for laying your life down for me. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I have strayed 
I have wondered, I have rebelled, I have been lost. Wash me white as snow, clean me up. I receive you in my heart, I receive you in my life. I am ready to follow after you. Jesus, cleanse me, renew me, bring me to life today. I pray this in your name, amen.